Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We're going to start with 1 John chapter 1 as we're going to delve into these things. Now, this is John the Apostle writing, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of John. In the beginning of your New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And this is the same writer, but John is writing this letter a bit later than the gospel that he wrote. And this one addresses some of the, well, there were some false teachings that had come out about God in the time when he was walking the earth. John's going to explain, he was an eyewitness of Jesus's visit to this earth. And he's going to explain it in the most short, succinct things that that just su- such an encouragement. It says here, let me read with me verse one. It says, what was, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. He says, what we have seen and heard This is what we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now these things we write, he says, so that our joy may be made complete or whole. That we would have fullness of joy. Now, this is little letters, five chapters long. In my Bible, just a couple pages. But this one is power-packed. Because this one... John is saying, I want to tell you guys about eternal life, the word of life. The word of life, he says, that was manifest. What does it mean manifested? Anyone use that in a sentence this week? Yeah, use that all the time, right? Christian lingo sometimes, you got to like adapt. Manifesting is to, to unveil or to show something from the Greek, the word that is used here. It's the taking away of the mystery of it being there and rather pulling away the curtain. Like you could say, Oh, yes, God is there, but we can't quite see him. He's behind a curtain. If we were going to see him manifested, we'd just pull the curtain back. This is what John says happened to him. The word of life, eternal life, somebody pulled the curtain back, and who gets to see it? John says, we did. Well, John says, I'm writing this little letter to you. And by the way, when I went to Bible school, I remember we were taught this letter had seven different reasons that John includes in this short little letter. He'll say, and I write this because of this. I write to you, well, verse four, it says, these things we write, he says, so that our joy might be made full or complete. I'm writing, so our joy, our joy, who's he talking to? Us, the read, the reader. And apparently he was not by himself when he was writing. He's saying, Because he didn't say what I have seen, what I have heard, what I have touched, what I saw manifested. He said what we have seen. This, by the way, helps my faith. It wasn't just one guy that saw Jesus risen from the dead. Do you know that? There was a man named Josh McDowell. He's like, I gotta shut up these Christians. They're driving me crazy. Jesus this, Jesus that. Everything is talking about God and how he loves us and wants us to have everlasting life. I gotta shut them down. Prove, t- take mathematical approach, take a, take a uh, scientific approach, take 
whatever approach and proofs, disprove, let's, let's break this thing down and tear it to shreds. If you want to read the book, it's a, like this big of a volume. All these doctorate, it's very heady reading, but, but it brings down all different things like mathematical probabilities and the statistical things that, that just for Christ to fulfill all these prophecies that were foretold and I thought it was cool. Because Jesus, like, just to be who he said he was, he either had to be the son of God or there's just no way a man could fulfill all the things that Jesus did. And it, to me, it helps my faith. I know that sounds geeky, but it really made me think, you know, I don't have to check my brain and turn it off just because I'm a Christian. If someone says to you, oh, just turn off your brain, you don't even, wait a minute. What, what was the first command? The one that, that when that lawyer tested Jesus, he said, um, what do I have to do to have everlasting life? And Jesus said, how does it read to you? And he quotes from Deuteronomy. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And that's it, right? No. All thy heart, your mind, your soul, that, that spirit part of you, and your strength. On all dimensions of your being, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And what I don't like is some Christian circles that say, just turn off your brain. Come for this nice emotional experience. Come for this one. Well, you'll feel so great. Listen, the gospel will make you feel great. But you don't have to turn off your brain. And the scripture says, because we have been given the spirit of God as an earnest deposit, we, in our spirits, cry out. As children of God, we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Yeah, you go, Abba, you're... You ever hear a little Hebrew kid going, Abba, Abba? He's calling to Daddy, Daddy. Or she is, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Abba. That's just the word for Dada. That's the Hebrew equivalent. Okay, You want to know what it really is, Dada, in English. It's Abba in Hebrew. But it, the Bible says we, once we are come to faith in Christ, we are now adopted into God's family. And it, we're going to see in, by the way, in John, 1 John chapter 3, that see how good, you want to peek ahead at verse 1 of, of chapter 3? See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. The world didn't know him, but we do. And this is one of the cool things. John he writes these things. He says, guys, I touched with my hands. I, my eyes looked upon him. I, he, he didn't say we all leaned back on his chest there at the Last Supper, but he did. He said, but we write these things that our joy might be complete. Here's the first reason. Now, in Bible school, I started to say this. In Bible school, they told us there's seven reasons that John wrote this little letter. There were seven ways He's going to describe how do we know what we know is really to be known. I mean, this is a true philosophical dude. I mean, he's, well, he's, in the, he's in the age of the Greek culture was very coming to the end of its superpower. It, it, in fact, Alexander the Great had ruled the entire world for a brief period as a world ruler. Young man, he... 
he went and got drunk. He had conquered everybody, and he just didn't know what to do, so he went drinking. And then it says he stumbled home in the, in the rain and got pneumonia and died. And his generals fought over who gets to take over, and eventually Rome took the advantage of this, this weakness in the Greek, the Greek stronghold over the world, and they stomped in and, and took over. And that's when Jesus comes to this earth. But to tell you that the Greek philosophers and the Greek way of thinking and culture had not permeated the world would be foolish. You know, that so much of the understandings that the way Paul describes some of the things in the New Testament, he uses the Greek philosophers' verbiage to explain things about the true and living God. There's all these guys thinking, well, the Greeks were polytheistic. They had Zeus and Hermes and right, Aphrodite, all these different gods and goddesses. And, and he says, look, there's only one true living God. The one that concerning the one that gives everlasting life. That's the one I want to tell you about. And he even, Paul gave a great discourse there at Ephesus about how this is the true and living God and any other God that's made by human hands, anything we fashion out of wood or clay or stone, that's no God at all. He actually will see a great revival to where the artisans get really mad at Paul. They're like, this guy is ruining our business. Nobody's buying trinkets. Nobody's buying our little carvings and statues because they're all turning from these false gods to the true and living God. Praise the Lord. But do we have the same thing going on today? With people following false gods and, and things that are not God, things that men make? Listen, if a man could make it and form it on a potter's wheel and then call it a god, it is no god. It's a pot. Do not get duped into thinking, I'm going to worship the creation. No, man, I'm here to tell you, I worship the creator. I love the whale show. I love that the Lord puts whales here on Sunday morning. It's, I mean, how many churches get to have whales pop up during the sermon? I know it's a little distracting, but it's fun. It's God showing off all creation testifies of whose handiwork? His. And you will never hear me say, I worship whales. I worship the creator of the whales. I worship the creator of heaven and earth and all the things on the earth. And I'm not here to worship something a man takes from the earth that God created. And then he makes a little stone statue. says, there's my God. Let's worship. Fall down and walk. Blah. False God. That's what it is. Not here to worship that. I'm here to tell you about the true and living God. And this is what John is telling. Guys, we have witness concerning the word of life. It wasn't a stone. It wasn't a carving. It was the real deal. In the beginning was the word, the Logos. The word was with God. The Logos was with God. The Logos was God. And what does it say a little further in John chapter 1? And the word became flesh. And we beheld him. Full of grace and truth. Jesus came. Man, he answered the question that lots of people think. And many verbalize. If God's really there, why doesn't he show himself? Jesus said, that's what I came to do. Now, if they don't know Hebrew, you can give them this little simple tutorial. Just the very name of Jesus in Hebrew. Jesus' name, by the way, in Hebrew is not Jesus. That's American English. What is Jesus' name in Hebrew? 
If you went up to him in the days 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking on the earth and you said, hey, what's your name? Because he had a name, Yahshua. We pronounce it Joshua, but it's really in Hebrew, Yahshua. Yah for a shortening or a contraction of Yahweh, the Lord. And Shua, Shua in Hebrew is salvation. So you go, what's your name? The Lord's salvation. Wait a minute, this is a mystery. I don't think I can solve it. Are you sure? What's your name? We, we'd say, God's salvation. That's tricky, huh? Uh, this is why I like a little bit of Hebrew is helpful. Because sometimes people are like, what was the big deal about Jesus? The big deal is he's God's salvation. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to what? To save it. That's why I'm here. I came to save. And John's saying, I'm going to write you this letter so our joy can be complete. You got to know about this guy that we saw, we touched with our hands. This is the guy who gives everlasting life. Is this a good thing to talk about? You know, we had a hungry world just perishing, not knowing about how to get everlasting life. And John says, I'm going to write you some reasons. Let me read you the next verse, verse 5 of 1 John. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him. Who? Jesus. And we announce to you. Now, anybody here would have liked to sit and listen to Jesus? And then when someone says, so what did he say? John says, this is what he, we heard from him, and we get to announce to you. What is his first announcement? God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. There's no darkness in God. Now, you need to know this because this announcement that, that John's making, I mean, how many times does the devil try to make us question? So is God really good? Is he really light? I mean, maybe there's a few shadows. Maybe he's mostly good. But, and by the way, the devil has used Hollywood to really reinforce this kind of blending of light and dark. You get the good guy in the movie. When I was a kid, good guys were good in the movies. Bad guys were bad. They did not make the good guy good but partly bad. And the bad guy, bad but but partly good because he's a family man. And, and, and you almost want to root for the bad guy because he seems to have more morals than the good guy, right? Has anyone watched any shows recently where they blend the morality of the characters? It's interesting how we don't want to just say that God is an absolute. But John has an announcement to make. And I get to be the guy who heralds his announcement. God is light. In him, how much darkness is there? None. Someone sent me a little post on Facebook. It was a picture of someone holding a match with the light. It was lit. And they had a bright light, you know, like here's a wall behind the match. You can look at this on our Amazing Grace uh, Facebook page. I just I reposted it today. It's an interesting picture. It was a photograph taken with bright lights this way so that the matchstick, there's a wall behind here, and you can actually see the, the outline of the shadow of the matchstick on the wall. But 
then the person's hands holding it right and the matchstick and the and the hand has the the perfect little shadowy outline but do you know the flame portion of the of the match it's lit do you know how much shadow there is on the wall behind of the like this you know how the shape of the flame right that little i don't know do it like this okay it, it looks kind of shaped like that right how much of that shape is shown in a shadow on the wall with the matchstick none because that shape that you're looking at is light. And when you try to put light on that to, to make a shadow, how do you get a shadow from something that is light? There, there is no, there's no darkness in light. So any light shined on light will just, it doesn't produce a shadow. There's no shadow. In God's light, there is no shadow. Holding a match, light shining, you can see the perfect little, silhouette of the hand and the little stick and and no silhouette of the light because in light there is no darkness jesus has come to bring us into the light into the light of god into that light where god says i am here for you and the bible gives us so many comforting things this light is it's beyond just physical light but let me assure you Anything that's true in the spiritual realm, it has a shadow in the earthly application. If it's true upstairs in God's throne room, it has a, a shadow of that truth down here. And the reason I say that is because before I became a Christian, I hung out with Satanists. And you know what one of the prerequisites for their demons coming into them was? We had to, we had to wait till night. And we couldn't turn on any lights. Demons don't like light at all. They don't even like a, a candle or a little, you know, my little oil lamp, you know, with the little dial that you'd like lit the wick and nope, put it off. I had a little intenser lamp. It was uh, on a little swivel for studying, real bright. And when my possessed friends would come over, they'd be like, turn it off. I'm like, no, I need some light. They're like, and they would walk over and push it down onto the desk so that the the little cup of where the little light shines is, is down flat on the desk like that. There would only be a little rim of light. That was all the light they wanted on in the room. And I was like, there's something weird about these guys. They don't like light at all. They knew. They knew that God is light. And it made them really uncomfortable. Just having physical light made the demons not like... And you know, it's interesting to me that a lot of people will call me as a pastor and say, Pastor, could you come up to our coffee farm and pray for a blessing? Because at night we have these weird dark shadows and dark walkers and, and there's creepy stuff that goes on in the dark. Do you think that's real? And then they'll say something to me that I find really remarkable. They'll be like, you know, I couldn't sleep. I turned on all the lights in the whole house. And, and it was like the thing was outside but wouldn't come in once the lights were on. So I just slept with the lights on all night long. So what do you think? I said, amen. Demons hate light. But you know what they hate more than just physical light? The light we're talking about. The light of God. When you say, Jesus, come into my heart. I need you in here. Jesus says, he stands at the door and he knocks if anyone opens the door he comes in and he sups with you now when you have the light of the world come into you spiritually 
now the light's on. I mean, your spirits, some people are like, Phaedra, you're kind of glowy lately. What's that light? You know, where'd you get that? I heard some people say that about her. That's a, by the way, that's a great compliment. That means the Lord is residing in you. And when he's in us, his light, Jesus said, let, let your light so shine in the world. Don't hide it. Un, you don't hide it under a bushel, right? You don't put it under a peck measure. You don't stuff it under the bed. What, what do we do with a lantern? You put it up on a lampstand so it can give light to all that, that need to see. We're supposed to let our good works shine the light of the Lord to our lives so people say, wow, there is a living God. And by the way, my demon-possessed friends, when that light came in me, the first thing, their reaction was, oh, no, oh, no. Is not to tell, them, tell the light to go away. They told me to say that. We have a friend. I use that word loosely. A demon that'll live in you and give you power. I said, forget it. I already trumped you. I went with the Holy Spirit of God. How much power does he have compared to a demon? He has all the power, right? I'm like, I ain't, that's a, you guys are low life compromising. I'm not going with that. I'm going with God. Because in him is the true light. No shadow, no shifting of shadows. This is the message John wanted us to know. And it isn't like Hollywood is teaching us. God is mostly good, but he's got a little bad. And Lucifer is mostly bad, but he's got a little good. Listen, don't get your theology from Hollywood. You want to find it in the right place? Look in this book. This is the book that will teach you the testimony of eyewitnesses that were there, that saw Jesus and said, let me tell you, in him, there's no darkness at all. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Oh, clap your hands, yes, all of your people will sing and shout with the joy of the Lord. Oh, raise your hands to the King and His throne on high. He's done a lot and He's gonna do more. Well, let us boast about the wonderful things that He's done and let us dwell on all the things that He's stored. Oh, well, the truth of the matter is He's done it all. And don't you know that He's gonna do more? Ah, it's time to fill your heart with emotion. Sky. Oh, clap your hands, yes, all of you people Sing a child with the joy of the Lord Oh, raise your hands to the King And His love on eyes are alive And He's gonna do more Well, let us look about the wonderful things that He's done And let us dwell on all the things that He's stored Oh, well, the truth of the matter is He's done it all And don't you know that He's gonna do more Father, you say you want to serve and obey.